Welcome to the podcast. I am Shane Barker, your host of Shane Barker's Marketing Madness Podcast. Today's episode is about SEO and content marketing. We'll discuss how to create great content and optimize it for better search engine rankings. I have with me Aaron Ages, a leading digital marketer and co-founder of Louder.online. He's a pro at intelligent and effective search and content marketing. Listen as he shares the best SEO advice and talks about the concept of being audience-focused and keyword-focused in content marketing. You'll learn how to leverage SEO and to make your content perform better. It's totally worth your time. All right, so tell me a little bit. So, I mean, I can tell from the accent that obviously you're from the United States, right? Just kidding. No, so like, tell me where you grew up, man. Like, give me a little background on Aaron's life. Sure. Technically, I am American. I was born in the States, but I uh, grew up in Sydney, Australia, uh, since I was one. So pretty much spent my whole life there. That's where the accent's from. Yeah. And I decided to, you know, the grass is always greener. Everyone wants to go to Australia. I wanted to get out and go everywhere else. So I've been living in many places since I uh, started adulting. Yeah. So let me give this right. So when you were one years old, you decided you wanted to move to Australia. I mean, that's kind of young, don't you think? Very mature. (laughs) Very, very independent. What did your mom and dad think where they were just like, he's one. I mean, what are we going to do? I dragged them with me. I'm very convincing as well. So I I persuaded them and yeah, we all moved. And plus they probably needed you to kind of be a a kind of a parent figure. I mean, you're one. So it's like, I think that's awesome. You brought your parents along. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Contributing to the family. Yeah, that's good because they obviously need it. I'm sure you're probably bringing in a lot of money at that time. <laughs> so okay, so let's not let's not digress here. So okay, so we went to Australia, obviously, because it's an awesome place that I've been to, by the way. Good, good. It yeah. is. I like it. Yeah. And then and then so your family, so big family, mom and dad. I mean, obviously you have a mom and dad because I'm you're here. So I mean, we don't need to go into heavy detail <laughs> into that. But <laughs> like brothers, sisters, what do, what do we got going on? Yeah, uh, five kids. So a bunch of brothers and sisters, yeah, big family, spread out over many years. Gotcha. And are you, obviously you might be a little biased, you think you're the most intelligent out of all the kids? Um, it's not that I think I'm the most intelligent, it's just that everyone else thinks that. So, you know, I just run with it. Yeah, you're like, you know, listen, I, I trust your guys' opinion. Yeah, yeah. So it's good. It's good. It's, it's good to be modest. I can see we, we run in that same boat. Like, I don't think I'm really good looking. My brother says that I'm a lot better looking. Yeah. I, I don't know if that's true or not, but I'm just, I just take what he says because that's, you know, I'm assuming he's, he's, a, he's a smart person. So, so growing up in Australia, so how long when you were, were you in Australia for? So you went to full school there and all that kind of fun stuff. So you were there for how many years? Yeah, everything. Uh, full adulting. Um, decided to, I uh, moved countries when I was 30, I think. Mm-hmm. Somewhere around there. I moved from Sydney to Koh Samui in Thailand. Yeah, I've been to Koh Samui. Mm. So I lived there for three years, which was really good. That's a, uh-uh. An island, yeah. That, when I was there, they put, and it, they kind of disgusted me, they put like a Starbucks. They're like, hey, we got a Starbucks. They were super excited about it. And I'm like, oh, that's kind of like, that's not why I came here. Yeah, and yeah, exactly. I mean, I don't, some Americans run there, but I'm like, not me. I'm like, oh, nah, I'm good. Yeah, yeah, that's there. McDonald's, all the chains. There's there's a lot there now, so um, yeah, you got to go to the islands off Samui now, Copenhagen, Koh Tao, and that's how. Yeah, uh, it's, each each step you go is like twenty years before on the other island. So yeah, uh, but yeah, it was good for time. Moved there with my wife and and two kids when they were tiny. Yeah, gotcha. So we'll go into that too. So tell me about about your kids. How old are your kids right now? Seven and eight. Seven and eight. And you got a dog. Rumor has it you got a dog, huh? A dog, two dogs now. I got a new one about a month ago. See, I'm going to have to fire my research team because they should have known that. I don't know where I put that online, but um, I'm impressed. 
Now, and this is going to be weird, is your social security number. Now, I'm going to say it out loud, but we can block this out. Please do. I know your PIN number, too. So it's not, I mean, we're not going to tell everybody. It's like, and the cool part is, is I only have like two people that listen to my podcast. Yeah, exactly. So you're like, one of them might miss this episode, so that's fine. Yeah, one of them will probably be your wife. Yeah. So at this point, it's like, maybe we'll have three people. So really, and she already probably knows your social, so you're going to be safe. Now I'm starting to understand where you got all your information from. And you mentioned my wife. <laughs> I'm starting yeah, to see, I, piecing things together here. Yeah, yeah. She's like, listen, here's the deal. We need some <laughs> leverage with you, right? I'm like, okay, I don't know what that means, but it sounds good. Um, so cool. So, okay, so you grew, you went to Koh Samui. You said, what, at age 30? Yeah, about 30. Did about three years there as the kids started to need a bit more than what a small island could provide. Yeah. Moved back to Sydney for another couple of years and then have recently, as of about a year and a bit ago, moved to Singapore with the whole family. Yeah, we were touching on that a little earlier, man. I'm thoroughly impressed with Singapore. I'm going to touch on that probably a little later on in the podcast. But yeah, I've got a crazy city, like in a good way, man. I was just how clean it is and just everything about it. It was, I was, I mean, I didn't see one piece of trash on the ground. It was just crazy. crazy. It's like crazy nuts. Like, so this is my funny Singapore story. And I'll just tell you now. So I was leaving, I was leaving Singapore and I was at the airport and I was like, I just had some food, you know, and I was getting on a plane and, you know, kind of close quarters or whatever. I'm like, God, I really need some gum. So, so I go in and I went into the guys, like a little Cadbury, not a little, it's like a huge Cadbury, you know, thing. You know, they have like 5,000 stores at their airport, which is like number one airport in the world or something. Mm-hmm. It's like, you can get lots of like a pool and all the stuff that you need at an airport before I go on a flight. <laughs> I go and I went to this little Cadbury store and I was like, Hey, you know, like, do you guys have any gum? And he kind of like did this double take and looked at me like I had asked him for like some heroin or something like, hey, you got any heroin a little bit for the day or something? And he goes, gum. And he goes, I go, yeah. And he goes, oh, we don't, we don't sell gum here. Like I was an agent, like I was a Singaporean agent or something. I was like, oh, you got the gum brother? Like, and he's like, what do you mean? What do you mean by that? And like, he's like, we don't allow gum. And I didn't know that it was like, I guess pretty much illegal, right? I mean, I guess I don't think you can have gum. I think it's illegal to sell. If you bring it in, it's not illegal to chew it or something, but you know, Uh You don't see it anywhere. No one's chewing gum here. No, I, and I didn't, for me, I didn't, I didn't know that, you know, but when I asked the guy, he kind of looked at me like, I guess he thought I was Singaporean because obviously I looked very did, Singaporean. Yeah, you would fit right in, yeah. <laughs> the red beard, they're like, are you local? I'm like, yes, you, know, you need gum because I've got the hookup. I mean, I'm just saying if you need some chewing gum, I, I could totally hook you up right now. Um, so cool. Okay, so that's okay. So we're going to talk a little bit about Singapore later because I'm I am like I'm kind of in love with Singapore. I mean, you'll see my Instagram. My last six pictures have been like, "Dear Singapore, like I love you and miss you, and I'm going to come back." And anyway, so got some good stuff happening there. Next time you and I are going to have coffee or a beer or maybe do some chewing gum together or something like that. Just go all Ooh, go yeah. all in and do crazy stuff. Keep, keep that. I know the download the. The whole gum thing. Yeah. <clears throat> well, the unfortunate part is that when somebody listens to this, they can come get you in Singapore. <laughs> I'm in California. So I'm safe until I come back. So, anyways, when I come back, we'll we'll figure that out. I'll put money on your books. It's don't, you know, don't it'll be fine. Thank you. Thank so you. did should you go to college in Australia or anything, or did you just come out brilliant? We already kind of touched on this a little bit. I tried a few times. Yeah. At 18, I kind of moved out, and that's the time where you're trying to go to uni as we call it in Australia yeah and yeah I just couldn't do I was doing a bachelor of computer science and so a big degree and just couldn't get started I started at Sydney uni went to New South Wales UTS I went to a whole bunch of different unis to keep trying every time I failed but just couldn't handle the uh, trying to support myself and doing a a big course like that at the same time so eventually the jobs that I was doing on the side, I ended up hiring people that had completed the degree that I was trying to study for. 
that was like, the time where ironic. I gave up. I thought, what yeah. am I doing? That's not not needed. So it's funny. So UTS, my brother graduated from UTS. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So he went to, that's why we went out to visit him when he graduated. So he graduated when, when film. So he's in San Francisco doing film ah. and works for a few different companies. But yeah, that was interesting when you said UTS. I thought, uh, and I didn't know if that was going to come up in the conversation, but it was Sydney. But my brother's there at the moment. Oh, is he really? Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Awesome. Yeah, we, my dad and I went to go visit. We were there for... It was a while ago. I don't know how many weeks, but we just went up the Gold Coast. We just rented a car and went up the Gold Coast and just had, I mean, just, I can't even tell you how much fun we had. Yeah, it was awesome. Yeah, good time. So cool. So college wasn't really your thing. And that's, you know, it's funny when I think, you know, 20, 30 years ago, people are like, you know, oh, you didn't go to college. It's like, now it's like, I mean, I went to college. I got my degree and that's super awesome. And you know how much my degree I use? (laughs) Maybe yeah. 0.01% if that, right? Yeah. I'm not saying, you know, kids that are listening to this or my son who's in college right now, uh, continue college, son. Don't, don't, don't be confused. But for the most part, it's like that doesn't, you know, especially with the online education you can get online, right? I mean, that's, that's where I've learned my stuff. I'm sure where you've learned your stuff. It's like, yeah. there's just so much information out there. And it's like, it's, you know, it doesn't have to come. And I think there's obviously going to be a huge in the next five, 10, 15, 20 years where you don't, you know, you want to go to Stanford, you don't have to be at Stanford, right? They're going to have yeah. that curriculum online and they're working yeah. on that right now. Yeah. I, look, I couldn't agree more. Um, I, I said the same thing to my younger brothers that, yeah, there's, there's loads of reasons to go to college or go to uni, but it's, it's not necessary. You don't need to unless you want to. And I'm sure there's uh, like, I'm sure there's loads of stuff that I missed out on. I'm sure the social scene was amazing. Mind you, I had a pretty good social scene in my early twenties anyway. <laughs> but yeah, look, I'm sure there's stuff I missed out on career-wise. I'm happy with the direction I took and um, I'm always looking to to get to somewhere else as quick as possible. So thinking that I got to skip those years that I would have spent there and you know, I was hiring the people that had that degree anyway, that uh, it made sense to do what I did. Yeah. No, that's awesome. That's awesome. I mean, once again, I, I firmly believe in that. It's like, to me, I mean, I've thought about going back and getting my master's, but it's literally just to get my master's. It has nothing to do. It won't further my career. Right. I mean, I, I, I teach at UCLA. So I'm one of the only instructors, which is crazy. I'm one of the only instructors that I don't have my master's or I don't have my doctorate. Um, and it's because it's long story short, they came to me and said, Hey, you have expertise. We're looking for someone as a practitioner. And so they, and so that was a weird you know, situation where I was like, wow, cause I was going to go get my master's cause I had a local college in Sacramento that said, Hey, we want to, we're looking for somebody like you, but you have to have your master's. Yeah. And I thought, okay, so you have a, you know, this, this teacher is 65 years old, nothing against 65 year olds, by the way, but that is teaching this marketing class that literally, like they told me, like, he really doesn't know what he's teaching. He's like this Instagram thing, just be very careful with the pictures that you post, you know, it, it's just, so it's like you, these are, this is who's teaching the youth. And it's like, they just they haven't done, they don't know anything about it. Right. They've read some stuff and they read Facebook and I'm kind of getting it. I'm not really sure. And yeah. it's like, that's, and they wanted me to come in, but they're like, you have to have your master's. And I'm like, but you know, why does my master's matter? This was another college, not UCLA. And they go, well, and they didn't really have an answer other than that's how it's always been. Like you have to have your master's. And I'm like, yeah, but you're looking for a master's and somebody that's done it. Right. Yeah. I mean, you, that's what you're looking for and that's what you want. So anyways, it's just, you know, that will all help. Go that's amazing. Like the same thing on LinkedIn or any other job site that you're going to and people have that as a requirement for any of the jobs. And it just puts a lot of people off actually applying and, I just ignored that. Like back when I was looking for jobs after, you know, when I should have been in college, I just started ignoring it. And it's amazing how many people, like if you just ignore it and just apply, you can actually cut through the noise, especially yeah. if you have a world experience, like you were just saying. 
Yeah. And I think that's what it comes down to. You know, it's, it's just interesting. I, I think it's a lot of that old school, you know, way of thinking of like, Hey, you have to have a degree to get that. I mean, I get it that a degree says that you, you know, you set a goal and you did it, but yeah. it's like, how much do you really, I mean, I, I was, so I graduated in, uh, what was it? Jesus. I think 2003. God darn. That was, and I waited 10 years to graduate. So I'm, I'm like a hundred. I went to school with, with Jesus. I don't know if you know who Jesus is. <laughs> yeah, I've heard of it. I literally, yeah. He sees, has a Bible and some other stuff. But no, I mean, I feel like an old, old dude when I explain that. But like when I was going to school, when I graduated, I graduated high school in 93. So let's do the math on that. The internet was like not even the internet, right? I mean, when I jumped on the internet, like when I went to school, there, the, the internet was like, where there was the class, the school that I went to, there was one entrepreneurship class, one. And, and that was it. Like there was nothing. There was all about like, hey, go to school, train yourself and, and then go to work for a company. And for me, I was like, ah, I just don't know if that's for me. You know, like I don't, that's not really my calling. I couldn't agree more. Actually, as you're saying that, I'm, I'm just trying to think. There was a book that I read a long time ago that was on a lot of this stuff. I'm trying to think of the name. I literally have it on the shelf over there. It's a really good, a really good book that would fit in really well. A guy named Michael Someone, and it had to do with education and the new wave. Anyway, I'll find. I'm sorry, I'll, I'll find it afterwards. Yeah, find it and shoot it over. I'd love to. I'd love to listen to it, or at least you know, I say read it. But I, I've seriously bought like 50 books, and for me, I'm all audible. Like if I go to read a book, ADHD kicks in. I'm thinking about what should I do tomorrow? What should I wear? And hey, I wonder what I want to do here. And then I'm just like a drooling on my book that I shouldn't even have bought. My wife laughs. Like these books back here, they're all fake. Like I haven't, I haven't read any one of these. Empty just show. for sure. <laughs> it's literally like I, no. The the sad part is I actually do buy the books because I'll buy them and then I assume that through Audible I'll highlight them. This is in my perfect world of having all kinds of time, and it just it's never happened that way. Mm. Never. And my wife's like, "Why do you keep buying these books?" I'm like, "Because I'm gonna I'm gonna read them." is everything. It makes me look. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and she's like, "Keep spending that money. You're doing a great job. Uh, Those <laughs> books are getting highly used, highly, highly used." So cool. So how did you, okay, so you didn't go to college, but you were hiring people in college. Like, how did you jump into like the SEO thing and the content game? Like, how did that, I want to hear that backstory there because that's, I'm intrigued. Yeah, sure. So my whole employment history was all in IT and doing IT jobs, which I was good at, but it was not enjoyable. It was all reactive, you know, fixing people's problems all the time. So I worked for people like Microsoft and I built big networks and I did all sorts of stuff for a bunch of years and then well, I think I was 28-ish, 29, something like that. Um, my girlfriend and I at the time decided we were going to sort of pack up, go on an extended trip, which happened to be Thailand again. And so we were living in Copenhagen, just off Koh Samui in a villa. You know, it's really cheap to live really well over there. So yeah. we were doing that for a long period of time. And while we were there, we we're just thinking we need to find a way to be able to do this indefinitely. The whole yeah. earn a strong currency, live on a cheap currency, the whole geo arbitrage play. Um, so we, we got to investigating well, how do we how do we stick this together and Around that time, you know, I started looking online and people, you know, this was early days, people were saying they're making money online and everyone thought it was bullshit, right? But it was just something that people were saying, people were scamming each yeah. other. But, you know, we thought there had to be some sort of some sort of truth to what was going on. So she was in marketing, previously working for IBM and, you know, this not before a lot of the digital stuff was happening. And I was, um, I was in IT, so we combined our skill sets, did research online, figured out people were making money online. We like, all right, we're going to give, it, give this a crack. So we moved back to Sydney and spent about 14 hours a day, at least absolute minimum, every day for about four months trying to work out what it all was. 
And that was like literally just in front of a computer saying, well, people say they make money on social media, on search, on this, on that. And then, okay, well, which channel are we going to choose? And we chose SEO because we didn't have any money at the time. And it was what we did have was time. So, all right, we'll, we'll do the work in, in earning that, um, earning those results. So we did that. We went through, well, okay, well, what are we actually going to rank? And it was about, you know, we don't, well, then we have to build websites. And we don't, we don't build websites. So, so it was a lot of stuff sticking it all together. Um, eventually we fell on affiliate marketing and just driving traffic to other people's websites. So at the beginning there, we started driving, um, ranking sites, driving traffic through to hotel and accommodation booking websites and taking you know, a, a dollar a click or some commission based on the sale. And that started working really well. And, you know, we, one day it was four months in, we made 40 cents online and that was amazing. Like we were high-fiving and jumping around because it proved that it's real and you can make money online. And what we knew then is the same thing we know now, you know, the internet can be almost infinitely scalable and highly automated in different ways. So that next day we turned 40 cents into $400, just scaling up what we did. And then it continued scaling from there. And we spent the next couple of years doing the same thing, traveling around the world, doing it from hotels in Rome and Japan and all sorts of stuff where, where we went outside of hotels and accommodation, we were doing speed dating and flower delivery and all these different industries and it worked really well. And then we started started getting a lot of friends and, and people saying, well, if you can do that for your own sort of web assets, surely you can tell me how to do it for my small business, you know, help me get this one ranking and get traffic. Um, and that's where the consulting side sort of kicked in. And that also, and so we started helping small business and sort of traded all our way through to medium and, and eventually enterprise. But that agency and consulting side of things was what really stabilized the peaks and troughs that came with affiliate marketing, uh, which yeah. affiliate marketers will tell you. Yeah. you know, as we picked up the right kind of clients, the agency Louder Online was born and yeah, we're still doing the same thing today, 11 years later. So, the, and you said your girlfriend, so now it's your wife, correct? She is my wife. Yes. That's good. That's what she told me in, in the thing that the interview that I had with her about what we were going to do to make it weird for you or whatever, whatever the goal was. I don't know. I like weird, man. I do like weird. <laughs> I super love weird. She knows me. She said, make it weird. She knows what I like. I get it. I get it. That's awesome. That's awesome. So now, is it true that when you guys made that 40 cents, that was the night that you guys conceived your first child? Was that how excited you guys were? Was it the 40 cents that was that pivotal point where... I'm just thinking of the best way of putting this. Um, <laughs> the excitement happened a lot quicker than being able to conceive. Got it. Got it. Hey, that's all you had to say. I was very, very excited. At least, at least you're on. I just want to make sure your stories are matching up with what your wife told me. So I just, I don't want to make this weird. I just want to make sure that we're good. It's good. No, it, um, no it, was, it was a few years later. That's awesome. Okay, good deal. I'm not, I'm not here to question your timelines. I, I believe you. <laughs> so we have a lot of parallels. What, what's interesting about this is that, that I like to travel, but the only thing that I haven't done is gone places for like a six months or a year. So I think you've taken that next level of, of commitment. So I've done a good amount of traveling and I've, I was real blessed. My dad and early on, like I would travel to Costa Rica, went to school in Costa Rica and, and like I've had that, that, you know, I've always enjoyed that, like the travels and the fun and, you know, culturally and learning the cultures and the food and just everything about that. And then, so when was, there was a time when, when you guys like pretty much sold everything, right? I mean, there was like a point where you guys said, Hey, this was kind of what we're doing here. And what was that? Was that when you guys were back in, in Sydney and then said, hey, let's... So that was when we first went that trip that I just explained, going to Copenhagen and living there. That was then. And you know, even though we did go back to Sydney to try and figure it all out, it was 
just part of continuous travels. It wasn't that we you know, literally moved back there. Um, that was a very freeing time. And with no kids at the time, that was what enabled the travel to go for longer periods of time. And I think it was, I think four hour work week came out in like 2007 or something like that, or 2008. I don't know. We read it while we we're in the middle of our travels and just thought, oh, wow, that's, that's a lot of stuff that we're already doing. And that that's also like, there's some things that we could be doing that align more and uh, so we just continued doing it didn't even know that being a digital nomad was a thing or it wasn't really a thing at the time and yeah and then yeah, realized we we're part of those those people that are doing that and are still doing it today so we just kept going to the right places and we really enjoyed it i look back fondly on those times yeah i mean the, the traveling side of things and when it comes to traveling there's always you know there's ups and downs with travel i guess is what i'm saying you know when it comes to internet and stuff like that i mean it can be somewhat of a challenge sometimes in in different countries obviously not in singapore like singapore is like you know they're like pretty much 5g not really but i mean they, they are right it's like this next level when it comes to tech stuff but i mean how did you guys get through that kind of thing because i mean there's obviously when you're traveling it's i mean i did yeah. i'll give you an example i was in sri lanka doing a keynote i went for a week to do this whole travel thing and it was awesome but like the internet was you know which is sometimes a blessing, right? I mean, you know, unless I have projects and stuff I need to get done, but how did you guys work through that? So the only time I really experienced big issues was probably Thailand, mm -hmm. where we were staying, the island, sometimes a whole island dropped out power-wise. And so during those times, I usually go out for maybe half a day. At one time, I went out for four days, which was a national emergency. Right. During those times, I mean, I got on the phone and we've always had a team. Um, so phones still worked, at least at the beginning. We've always had a team to sort of cover some things, you know, while those issues happened. But I didn't notice too many big issues. A lot of the stuff we were doing when it was affiliate marketing was I'd do it through like on a VPS, on a virtual server somewhere else. Yeah. So we didn't need a lot of bandwidth on my end just to be able to connect in and then run things off that, different tools and whatnot. So yeah, we handled it. And then a lot of the other times I was in hotels and they have fairly decent internet compared to... Yeah like some of the private lines, we're good. And you guys aren't doing like, I know some of the guys that I've traveled with, like, you know, they do a lot of video stuff and all that. I mean, that's when you run into issues, right? When you're trying to send, you know, one, whatever, one gig across or whatever it is, you know, then there can be some issues, but sending emails and stuff like that doesn't take too much bandwidth. No, exactly. Yeah. So how big is your guys' team? So you guys have, what is it? Louder.online, right? It is louder.online. It fluctuates and there's many people in different capacities, but I'd say between 50 and 60 at the moment. Oh, gotcha. So you guys... Full-time, part-time, contractors, a whole lot of different structures and setups, fully distributed globally as well. That's awesome. So every, obviously, everybody's a remote team. Yeah. And um, the interesting thing is, you know, that's common nowadays, but we've been around for 11 years. And from day one, we wanted to have people in different countries. And we started with India and went to the Philippines, Eastern Europe. We've done it all and we have people in all those areas at the moment. But it was, it was a real learning curve. You get a lot of people saying they want to outsource or have a remote team. There wasn't a lot of instruction or how-to when we were doing it 11 years ago. So there's a lot of trial and error in figuring that all out. And we stuck to it and it's done a lot of good for us. It means that we can deliver things overnight. It means that we've got people working on all time zones. We have the right people in the right countries supporting the right clients. There's a lot of good. And while it used to be harder to convince clients that this is normal, you're going to get the best service and all that sort of stuff. Now people don't really blink an eye at what we're doing. And so it's worked in our favor. 
That's awesome. Yeah, we man, we have a lot of parallels because my team is all remote as well. I mean, I I have I'm here in Sacramento, California, and, and my team is all over. And it's that's one of the. I mean, there's a lot of well, obviously, you know, it's like get a lot of trial and error of trying to get it going and what softwares to use and all that. But once you get a good cadence in place, I mean, I do love the fact that I can you know it can be five o'clock in California. I talk with a client, and then in the morning time, I have it done. And then like, how did you get that done? Like they don't understand. Like I'm like I run a 24 hour clock, and they're like, yeah. but that's illegal. And I go, yeah. no, it's not. When you have time zones. Yeah. And I'm like, why well, have people all over? Like, that's the whole point of this is that I have this continuous clock that can go. I mean, what do you guys use software wise? I mean, is it like, you know, Slack and Trello and so many things. So, and I, I've worked on and trialed a bunch of different tools for managing remote teams and eventually just went off that and back to the basic ones. So yeah, we've got Trello. Don't use it hardcore. Use Basecamp. Where most of our comms at the moment are Skype and then Slack, email. We've got Google Drive, Dropbox, pretty standard sort of stack. But like I said, we tried all the different fancy tools that are meant to handle it all in the right way and never been convinced. You know, trying to convince everyone on your team to use the tools in the right way is a tough part. Yeah, we've kind of found the same thing. It's like we've used, once again, Basecamp, Asana. I mean, if I had a dollar for every software, I, I could just retire. You know, I mean, it's it's because it's hard to get the, once again, to get the whole team to move to this and use it the right way. And we stick with, I mean, for us, it's really Trillo. Um, has been good. We do Slack, obviously. Um, obviously, you know, Dropbox or Google Drive. What Slack has really helped us with our emails, like cutting down the amount of emails we receive because it's always hard when you're CCing people. And so that's helped with the management of projects and stuff like that. So um, that's interesting. That's cool that you got that. I mean, my team is, I think we're about 33 right now. Yep. It's like I said, it's, it's been awesome. I think the outsourcing has been fun because it's, it takes a while, but once you get people trained up and you know, the remote thing is kind of a, it's a benefit. Once you find the right people, obviously now we have certain ways we interview people and ask them certain questions to kind of figure out like, you know, are you looking to like just work half time and make all this money? Or are you really, you know, do you work hard? And what are those checks and balances to that? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I'm like, I don't, I don't like to micromanage people. So for me, I'm like, listen, you know, I'm not checking into this and checking into that. I mean, I'll have certain checks and balances. And if I start to, you know, and my spider sense starts to tingle and I go, okay, I think you maybe might not be doing some stuff, then we'll probably get a call from me. But other than that, like just do your stuff, get it done on time. Life's good. Yeah. So our, our way of the thing that really changed for us is that, you know, you're dealing with so many different cultural intricacies that trying to manage that was really interesting at the beginning. You know, in India, we'd have everyone saying, yes, sir, I'll take care of that, completely understanding what you're saying, delivering something completely not on point and not asking the question. So then we realized that actually falls back on us and our processes and procedures and everything and took care of that. But then in the Philippines, we'd have people that would just disappear. They wouldn't ask us how to do things. They would just never respond again. And you'd be like, how do I get in contact with? And then they'd be gone and you'd have to hire someone else. And so there were a lot of different things in different countries. And eventually the way that we got past all that was to well, we found the people that we really trusted and trained in the right ways, we then set them up as the head of that country. And it was then, you know, fewer people that I had to deal with directly or, or our ops team. And then they got to handle the cultural barriers and the end end workers knew that they could speak to someone in the right language and the right culture. So that really fixed things for us. So the reason why I'm laughing when you were saying that is because that is so spot on. Like, I don't know how many times... And once again, it is very much a cultural thing. And that was the hardest thing for me. I'm like, how is it that I told you what I needed? And you said, yes, you said, hey, we can absolutely do that. And then you just disappear. Like, I'm so confused on like, why wouldn't you just say, you know, like, hey, that's not that's not within my wheel well, but have some other people I could recommend. Like, I literally hire people, I'd wait for two weeks and I'd say, hey, what's going on? And then they'd be ghost. And the funny thing is, 
you're asking these questions like you hope that you're actually talking to someone, but there's no way of getting in touch with them. No one's answering that. This is all just no. conversations in your head going, where are you? Yeah. And, and it's like, and so that's, it's funny. So I was laughing because I literally been through that a thousand times. And so now, you know, and you, and you realize that it is a cultural thing. Like, it's like, Hey, this is just something you have to learn to, I tell people like, Hey, listen, like at the end of the day, if you're not a good fit, just tell me, like, I have no problems with that. I would, I would, instead of me giving you the task and then it not being done and me finding out when it's supposed to be done in two weeks and I'm 13 days in and I'm like, Hey, you know, Hey John, where you at? John, where you at? John, where you at? And then John just yeah. never shows up. Right. And that's, that's a problem anyways. But that was, I just laughing because we went through a lot of the same the stuff. The interesting thing as well is all these points you're talking on, there are full industries out there that, you know, you and I have both done like digital nomadism is a whole thing and outsourcing and offshoring and managing remote teams is another whole industry and topic. Like yeah. you can go deep into all of them and you need to know enough about each of them to stick together the right sort of company and the right business. Well, and that's, and once again, because of what you're talking about is that's, that was the crazy part about it is that I used to another life. I had a company that had 130 employees that were on, in, in my office yeah. and it was crazy. Like any, my old staff members that are listening, I, I love you guys, but it was crazy. Like it was literally like putting out fires. All the, I mean, it just was crazy. You deal with emotions and people coming, Oh, my husband's cheating on me. And it's like, Oh, come sit down for two hours and let's talk about it. Yeah. I, and shout out to all the husbands that have left their wives <laughs> and wives that sorry that I'm not trying to be insensitive, but I mean, that's just what you deal with. Right. Yeah. And, and not remotely, you still have you different things you deal with. But I told myself after that company that I'm like, I would, I'll never have that many staff members in one place. Not that I, I just didn't have the freedom that I have now. Right. Like because of softwares and stuff and putting people in places where they can manage stuff. It's just, it's a different deal now. It's, yeah. it's a lot more freeing. And mind you, it's, it doesn't disappear fully. And you'd know yeah. as well, you know, most of your day, or oh, I'm speaking out of turn here, most of my day is spent not doing the things that I want to be doing. You know, there's responding to you know, HR issues or finance and uh, dealing with your CFO. And like, there's so many different things where you just want to be going, hey, I really want to optimize the hell out of that site. <laughs> I really want yeah. to help that client with some strategy because they could be doing X, Y, Z and I'll kill it for them. Yeah. That's the hard part is because, you know, you want to go back to, you know, it's kind of like I was just talking to somebody recently. Oh, it was one of my best friends. So he's a fireman in Southern California. And his son was like, we were having a call. Like literally, this is before you and I jumped on. And he was like, oh, I lost my Lego. Dad, I lost my Lego. And that was like a big thing for him. And I go, God, I can't. I remember being a kid and when losing a Lego in a day was like, that was your thing to really stress about. Like, God, I lost a Lego. Dad, and you find a Lego. Oh, God, I found a Lego. I'm like, God, that was the only thing I had to worry about. Like, (laughs) Where in Southern California is he a firefighter? Glendale. Glendale. Okay. My uh, my uncle is a captain of a, a firehouse in somewhere around Santa Rosa, I'd say. Uh, so Santa Rosa is going to be kind of almost by San Francisco, like in that yeah. area. It's about an hour, hour and a half from me. Yeah, right. Santa Rosa is a great, like Sebastopol, and there's some really great, great cities that are over in that area. Yeah, Petaluma. Petaluma is a great spot. I used to be a firefighter. Yeah, myself. really? Didn't find that one. <laughs> no, I didn't. Damn, look at that. See, I'm, I'm definitely going to fire my, my yeah. research person. Sorry if you're listening to this. Actually, if you're my research person, you've already been fired, and that's probably why you are listening to this. <laughs> Just kidding. You're going to keep your job. So, interesting. You were a fireman. How long were you a fireman for? Uh, not long enough. I was uh, only 18 months, maybe. Um, uh. I loved it. It was the best job in the world uh, if you have to have a job. And I didn't have to have yeah. a job. I had a company that. I knew I could, I was making way more money in the company and yeah. I was working while I wasn't on five calls, like being called out, but it just was too much. So to, to be doing both of those things and then, you know, young family on the way and all that sort of stuff. 
So I had to had to choose one of them. So my question is this: If you're you're making money and you got the the company going good, why did you jump on to be a fireman? What was the crazy? So my uncle, uh, one of my favorite people, uh, was a firefighter for most of his life. My best mate was a firefighter in Sydney. Ah. and it's a good job and good conditions and good to give back to the community, all that sort of stuff. So it was always in the back of my mind of something I wanted to try. And in Sydney, there were, I think, 24,000 people applied for 24 positions when I tried out. And it was an 11-stage process, and to get through was just mind-blowing. And I kind of just wanted to do the test to see if I could make it as well, and I did, and I made it through. I was one in 24. So, yeah, made it as a full-time firefighter and then just couldn't handle it all. Not, not the work, handle doing too yeah. many things at once. Yeah, yeah. I love it. There's there's 24,000 people going for the job. And for you, you're like, I just wanted to see if I could do the test. Like the guy that's listening to this that didn't get a job is like, yeah. I hate that guy. Yeah. <laughs> I absolutely hate that guy. Like he's not, I didn't really want to get the job. You know, they just called me and I was like, well, I'll show up on Tuesday and see if we can work this out. And then his whole life and has been, you know, he's probably killed himself at this point because he didn't get the job. And you're like, you know, just another Tuesday. Yeah. It- another job, fire department. <laughs> I enjoyed it. I wish I'd stayed. Uh, If I ever have to get a job, I'll probably go back to that. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, I doubt it. It seems like you're doing good. So what is like when you guys have, so you have obviously 50 employees. So what's like the perfect client for you? Like, what do you guys, where do you guys spend most of your time? Like if we said, hey, this is where you guys specialize in, what is that? Yeah, um, search and content marketing, anything on the organic side. We specialize in more than that, but that's where... Obviously, you can hear that I'm competitive, <laughs> um, so and I like the competitive aspect to earning your spot you know, yeah. in the organic rankings and and that sort of thing. So that has been the core of what we've done from day one, and we've just continued to grow in our expertise and and the clients we've worked with there. Having said that, we do all you know paid social, we do AdWords, we do full strategies, um, content strategy and production and auditing side of things that we do is massive as well. Um, in terms of the ideal client. You know, everyone's got the marquee clients. I'd love to say more of the marquee clients, typically tied up in bureaucracy with a lot of those big clients. So, you know, we've worked yeah. with Salesforce, Intel, IBM, Ford, Coke, LG, um, massive companies, and we can get a lot more done. Well, it feels like we get a lot more done for the sort of mid-sized companies than we do for those larger ones, even though the revenue impact that we have from the bigger ones is bigger. You know, it's only yeah. minor tweaks that get those big results. Um, so the mid-sized companies I like working with, um, it's typically anyone that has a digital marketing manager or a CMO in the company. Um, it demonstrates that they've got a multi-channel marketing budget and we'll take over as many slices as we can get of that and run that for you. So how do you guys, do you have like, you have a sales team, all that kind of fun stuff? Like, how do you guys get leads? Like, what is your big, I mean, you have to do your secret sauce, but like, you know, what's like, how do you go and find clients? Is they reach out to you? Is it all inbound? Is you guys do some calls or what's? So the secret sauce is that we eat our own dog food, so to speak. Um, Inbound is where we get most, uh, probably 80% of our leads. And um, obviously, you know, we, we work in the same industry. They're fully educated, they've already been pre-sold through all your content and they come ready to sign for your service. That's way better for us and I love doing that. I continue to write for publications every single month, um, Forbes, Entrepreneur, Business.com, Fortune Magazine, Search Engine Journal, like loads of them. And, and yeah. that, that brings you know, referral traffic, inbound leads, links, helps our site rank. There's a whole lot of stuff that comes off the back of that. 
Yeah, you're like my brother from another mother because I, I think we might be related or something. I, we'll figure out that later because I mean we look identical. But oh yeah, it's just <laughs> twins, twinsies for sure. Um, I, it's it's funny. So it's up. We're the same way. So ours is all inbound from the writing stuff that we've done or that I've done. So it's kind of crazy. That's I mean I don't really and I always say this and I'm, it's not something I'm bragging about. Like I don't have a sales team. Like my sales team is literally inbound leads that I get. Actually, let me take that back. We just hired a sales guy. I think like like a week ago, but. Before that, I mean, it's always been me and it's always been inbound. So we don't do anything other than that. It's more like the thought leadership stuff. And then people see us somewhere and they say, hey, at that point, they've already read some of your stuff and they're kind of excited about, you know, the next steps. And as long as they have a budget and have some stuff in place and hey, life's good. Yep. Yeah, exactly. It's good. And we do a lot of other stuff. I do talks. I do interviews such as this. Um, There's a lot of inbound stuff. We've got a team that that does outreach, but uh, it's obviously cold and then we have to convince them and educate them before selling so there's a few different things we try but the bulk of it comes through eating our own dog food yeah i like that so what about from an seo perspective or i guess from any perspective but like what are like three softwares that you guys use what are like the three softwares that you rely on yeah um Ahrefs is always number one for us great index actually they're here in singapore so i know the guys here Ahrefs is fantastic we do a lot of rank tracking through AccuRanker, um, okay. which works really well. We use S- you know, SEMrush or SEMrush, however you yeah. want to pronounce it. Um, I don't use it too much at the moment, though. The other ones probably take most of my focus. So, Tim, so our revs, are they, and they're there in Singapore? I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. You missed them when you came. The head office is here, and, and that's where all the guys are. Tim's here. I didn't see anybody when I was there. I feel lonely now. Like, man, everybody was there and I could have went out and had coffee or beers. And You'd be surprised how many people are here. Head of Hootsuite in Asia is here. There's a whole team for Hootsuite. There's a lot of big companies here. A lot of known That's people awesome. that you didn't realize that are here. <laughs> I know. I know. Well, you, you and I, we were kind of going back and forth and I was like, wait a second, you. And then we, we just never ended up connecting. But I was yeah. like, man, that would have been awesome. I'll be out there again soon. I'll probably hopefully head out there in another month or two. Good, good. So cool. So what do you have like, so career wise, what do you think one of your biggest achievements are? I mean, I know you were like a secret fireman and beat out, you know, 3,000, you know, 768 people or whatever it was. Like, what do you like career wise? Like, what do you say, man, that's like, you know, at this point, I mean, I know you've written some books and stuff, which I want to touch on after this, but like what your biggest achievement would you say? It's not so much something I've done specifically, but I, when you say career achievement, my last 11 years has been done with my co-founder as well. So it's not, it's not everything that I've done alone, but I love that we cracked the code of being able to live and work anywhere and that we've done that for 11 years and continue to do that and flexibility it provides being able to pack up and want to move from a career perspective is, I love that. That's been my biggest achievement, I would say. There's been a lot of cool things, but I like that. Yeah. And your co-founder is your wife. Yep. Remember, there's a, there's a right answer and there's a wrong answer. Is your wife smarter than you? Absolutely. Yeah. In every way. So she said the same thing. When I talked to her, she said that I she was absolutely it. smarter than I, you. I nailed that one. Yeah. It's not my fault. I was nervous because I was like, okay, if I say this, I'm like, God, I hope he doesn't mess this up because this is being recorded. And we know that she can listen to it. Okay. We're good. We're good. I, I was... I, I got to be honest, I had to hold my breath for a second because I thought, oh, Jesus, I'm going to say the wrong thing. And then it's just going to get weird, super weird. Okay, good. So, so obviously, you have what you have two books that you've written, right? So one is what the complete guide to building your personal brand. And the other one is like, you know, building your, your blog audience. And you did one of them. Was it both with Neil Patel or one of them? Yeah. So I haven't really, you can call them books. I mean, they're 30 to 40,000 words long. They're both written with Neil. They're both on quicksprout.com at the moment. They're great. They achieved everything we're hoping to achieve with it. But we've actually got a third book that is a proper book that is on the way out uh, probably in the next few months. It's called Faster, Smarter, Louder. 
And that's pretty much everything that we've been talking about, you know, in a book and, and a lot of a lot more detail on how we do what we do and how stories that we've had to get to that point. And yeah, it's good. I'm looking forward to that one coming out. So I was supposed to, this is a funny story. So I was supposed to co-write a book with a friend of mine, Amanda, that we kind of decided not to do that's a long story short. When we were putting together a contract for it, and this is, I'm only bringing this up because of your wife, one of the big things, and I didn't know this, my attorney was like, so she was like, well, whose name's going to be first? And I'm like, I don't know. Like, I didn't really know that was a factor because I hadn't written a book and because my attorney had a lot of experience with this kind of stuff. And I'm like, I guess mine, but I don't know. And she's like, well, that's, that's something you really got to figure that out. Like that was a big, not with Amanda who I was going to write the book with, but for my attorney was like, you got to figure that out. Like you need uh-huh. to, you need to be ready for that call. And I'm like, well, I didn't, I was just, I don't know. And then I was like, well, I do I want to be second? But I'm like, who's going to write most? Like it really was, it was just, to me, it was kind of, I didn't think it was that big of a deal. But then later on, I was like, wow, this is a big deal. My attorney got me all pumped up because I was like, sure, I got to be ready. Like I got to tell, explain to them why I need to be in first place on this thing. So <laughs> I'm not asking who's going to be first places. We'll see when the book comes out. I'm happy to answer that anyway. I understand the questions there. Um, Our thought process, or at least mine was, we've never put work into building Jan's personal brand, but we have mine. And so therefore, I wasn't worried where mine went. I was happy for it to be second. I also went the ladies first route and just went, yeah. I'm pretty sure that's how it, it turned out anyway. I could be wrong, but where my head's at at the moment. So your wife said, no, I'm just kidding. Um, I don't know what your wife said because I didn't ask her that. But that's interesting. I, I, once again, for me, that was, that wasn't a factor, but I just thought that was interesting when I heard that because it just didn't, it was never a, something I thought about until I started to think about it. And then I was like, you know, yeah. if it was my wife and I do like that, but I, that was a good answer with, I put my wife first because it's ladies first. So that was yeah. you're a scholar, gentleman and a scholar. Interesting. Interesting. So cool. Okay. From an SEO perspective, like what would be your one piece of advice? Like, what do you think? So, you know, there's always these articles of like, oh, SEO's dead or this or that, which is all, you know, we know that's all BS. But like, what do you like from an SEO perspective? Like, what would be your one piece of advice? Like you're saying, hey, like if I was to tell any company, like this is the way you, I guess not really take care of your SEO, but like, what is the one thing that I think people overlook when it comes to SEO? Like, what is the one thing that they could take away and go, oh, we're not doing that. We need to do more of that. Yeah, so you know, I feel like I'd love to give you something, an, an answer that's going to blow your mind. But my answer to this is the normal stuff that I tell everyone. It's stop creating content for the sake of creating content and actually provide value in that piece of content. And not that piece, but every piece that you put forward. It's it's absolutely mind-blowing that 90% of the clients that we see and the websites that we come on board, their whole content strategy is built around talking about their product or service and their latest update or where they were seen in, in press. And it's like, no one cares, you know, write about your industry, provide value, entertain or educate and be the best answer to that question that you're answering better than anyone else in that piece of content and have a strategy that's built around that that's consistent. I'm so sick of seeing the three to 500 word piece of crap content that was written because someone said, hey, we need to do content marketing and they're going, where's my results? That's my answer to that. And that happens yeah. with massive companies as well. You yeah. just got to have the right content strategy in place. Yeah. Well, and it's, it is funny. So I've seen some companies that once again, that it's, you know, when anybody that comes to me says, oh, we're already doing it. We're writing 300 word blog articles. And I go, boy, you guys are saying a lot in those 300 words, I'm assuming. <laughs> huh? so there's a reason why you reach out to me, I think. It's yeah. not because your blog content's epic. Yeah, exactly. Cool. Oh, you just, I, oh, did, I don't uh, know if you felt. Like, I, you felt, I didn't no? fall off the chair. The camera fell. <laughs> 
man, I, you gotta be careful when you're drinking in the morning, but I'm not here to judge. I'm just saying like, whatever works for you, if you want to work remote, cause you drink in the morning, like that's cool. Yeah. Just everybody knows that it, if, cause obviously this is an audio, the video, we have a video going and the video fell. I thought Aaron fell down or something like that. I thought maybe his wife would have attacked him for something he said, which I thought everything he said was good. So I, I think, I think he's solid there. Yeah. I think it'd be good for another few years at least, but I'm pretty okay. sure of it. Yeah. Why did you guys end up in Singapore? Like how did that jump on your guys' map? Um, I loved Thailand, loved Koh Samui, still love it. Uh, the kids needed more, so we moved for the kids. Went back to Sydney and didn't like it there and thought, where's somewhere that we can get the best of both worlds? The Asian conveniences and everything that we like about Asia, as well as opportunities for the kids. And so that was the decision. Um, it's, education here is second to none. It's amazing. Yeah. The kids' school and a lot of opportunities. Uh, it's a one hour flight to all the places that we want to go direct one hour flight. So there's a lot of good reasons for it. And the literacy rate is what, like 97 or 98%. It's something crazy. It's, everything's crazy here. Not just the education, like you sort of touched on earlier. It's, it's like a virtual utopia in many ways, you know, it's the cleanest place yeah. I've seen in the world, access to everything. Great for business. Tax is lovely for expats. There's a lot of really nice things that, that I didn't even know until I was here for a while. Huh. Yeah, I'm sold on Singapore, man. I'd tell you, I'd, I'd go if somebody wanted to pay for me to get a Singaporean tattoo, I'd, I'd probably do it. I mean, I'm not saying it's recommended, but I, I would probably do it. So where is, so out of all the places, so I think you already kind of touched on this. So one of your favorite places has been Thailand. Is that kind of where it kind of had the most, the biggest impression on you? I mean, up until Singapore and where you're at today? Yeah, I just, I love being able to just, there's a vibe there where you can just stop and breathe. And it, Thailand's freeing. You can pretty much do anything you want to do as long as you're not hurting someone else and being stupid. And if you are, then you get punished severely for it. And yeah. I like that because it's not a nanny state, right? You're not told how to live and all of that sort of yeah. stuff. So you, a lot of that mental freedom that happens just by being there. And then you can focus on the things that you want to focus on. Plus, you're on the beach, you're in beautiful tropical weather. You know, you, I live in nothing but shorts every day. It's, uh, it's a, a great spot. And you're doing it a fraction of the cost of living somewhere where all these other rules exist. So yeah, a lot of positives. Gotcha. So you hate rules. I hate rules that I have to follow that I can't bend or break. Yes. <laughs> all right. A little bit of a rule breaker. Okay. I get it. I get it. No, that's good. It feels freeing to tell everybody you're a rule breaker. Like yeah. this is it. I'm sure I always heard about bad boy Aaron. I didn't know what they meant, but I just, that was a, a thing going around the underground marketing world. I always heard it. And I was like, I don't know what that means, but I'm going to ask him on the podcast. So now we know. That's me, apparently. That's it, because that's the rumors must be true. I don't know. <laughs> so let's do this. This is going to be my, my last question for the podcast here. So if you had $1 million, if I was to come bring you $1 million cash, just stone cold cash, you don't have to pay taxes on it or anything. This is just a, a secret gift from me to you because obviously I care. Feel free. Um, how would that... Yeah, you're like, let me give you my address in case, yeah. or if you just want to bring it on out yourself, that's I, fine. I said you, you wanted someone to fly you out. I will fly you out for that. You, I will absolutely. And I'll bring. I'll bring gum. We'll just go eight shit crazy. We'll just have a good time. Nothing but a party. Um, so, what would you do? Like, would that change your life? Like, what do you? I don't see you as somebody that's like basing your whole life off of money, right? I think it's like, hey, I have money and that's fine. It's not a like, you know, I'm, I can see you're a very driven person, but like, would that change your life? Would you change things up if you had a million dollars? Like, would you shut the company down? Would you like? How would that change things? It would absolutely change things, but it'd change things not in the way that I'd be shutting the company down or anything like that. A lot of a lot of our plans have always been that we 
you know, we've got a great marketing agency. We want to use those services for our own web assets as well. So, um, you know, e-com sites and, you know, we've built health and nutrition sites in the past. I've done that with uh, Neil Patel. I've done a whole bunch of other stuff. So it's always been to see if we can use our marketing engine on our own asset. A million dollars of cash would be me being able to throw a whole lot more assets and, and things up now rather than bit by bit. And, that would that would be mentally freeing. It would be just big advancement, um, not yeah. always trying to take from one area and put it towards another and see how it balances and all of that. So that would be good. Um, but that's only talking about business as well. Like personally, if I had a million dollars cash, I would be knowing that my kids were sorted, that mm-hmm. I don't have to worry about buying property and a will and all that stuff that you do to try and help your kids out in the long run. That's sorted. Yeah. Now all I have to worry about is myself and I can survive really easy. Well, and then you wouldn't have to be a male dancer on the weekends. It's not that I have to. It's it loosens like my hips. Like I like you know, it's the generation. Yeah, yeah. And I, well, the first time I saw you dance, I remember thinking, "Wait a second, this is illegal." So, yeah. anyways, I don't know why I would be watching you dance. When I said that loud, I was like, "Damn, this is being recorded." Yeah. <laughs> so we can't take that back now. We just can't take that back. That's, Nothing we that's, can do. That's live. That's public. Man, Jesus, this is the difficult part. It's like I, half the time when we have these types of conversations, I have guests that will just say, listen, I'll, I'll give you cash if you could just give me that recording. Like if we could just not go live uh, with your recording, because people don't, most people don't know that I'm a smart ass. So it's like when they, they jump on, they think, oh, we're going to talk about content. Like, this is really great. And by the end of it, they're like, man, I don't even know if we half the things that we said, if that was legal. Like, and some, you could, I mean, you know. It works perfectly for me. Uh, this is how I, I, I prefer to spend my time yeah that's me too that's me too i'm like hey we're not having fun and saying awkward stuff so we can't catch eye contact next time then it's not worth it you weren't looking at my eyes when i was dancing anyway so let's let's not pretend (laughs) it's not that (laughs) i just i was sitting on the lower seat so yes i I will have to be honest with you it wasn't eye contact that i was going for but now this got super awkward and now that everybody everybody's questioned my sexuality on my own podcast. They're like, I thought he was married. Doesn't he have a kid in college? I thought so confused. It's just the Singapore thing. I don't know what they did out there. <laughs> well, awesome, man. Hey, you were a great guest, bud. Nothing but a good time. We got to keep in contact. I've had you on the blog a few times, but we got to talk about next steps, man. I'm, I'm excited. You got you literally all the stuff that you're talking about is like, was a flashback from memory lane, like just the hustle and getting it up and going and remote and working internationally and all that kind of stuff. It's just kind of funny that we have a lot of those same, the same path that we took. It's just, it's just yeah. interesting. I agree. It's, it's been good to connect. I appreciate it. I appreciate the opportunity. So I, I assume I'll see you in a few weeks when you get your butt back out here with a big suitcase full of a million dollars cash. Yeah. And gum. Um, don't forget and the gum. gum. Cause I've Small never, notes, please. Small notes. <laughs> small notes and gum. Yeah. Now, I'll bring, I mean, I'll probably bring more, more gum than, than money, but my, the point is, is I'm coming out. Yeah. There's the resale value on the gum. There's exactly, right? it's, I get it. get, Yeah. Trust me. I, man, I can't wait to be the guy selling <laughs> all the, the whole, I'll probably go to prison, but um, cool brother, man. Hey, once again, thanks God for being on the podcast and we'll talk here soon. Sounds good. Thank you. Thanks man. Bye. All right. Bye.